I'm your host, Matt. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lorna. Hello! If you've never listened to the podcast before, one of us does a report on a moment, topic, person, event, anything from history. Something uh, from the past. Yes, that's history. And um, we'll often try and choose something you might not know about. Lorna's going to do a report today? Yep. What's your report on? It's on pigeons. Okay. It's mainly on pigeons. I'll also do a little bit of exploration into other animals. But since it is this week the 100 year anniversary of the ending of... World War One. World War One. Is it the ending? Armistice. Yeah. Um, today. Yeah. The 11th of the 11th. Not when you listen to this, but... Yep. Today. Um... I, I, did, I wanted to do a topic on about pigeons. the First World War. Oh, okay. So, it's pigeons in, in the World First World War. War. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't know. It seems that they're the unsung heroes, to be honest. Mm, I wouldn't go that far. Really? Well, I read quite a few articles that said they are, and I'll, I'm going to talk about some One of many unsung heroes, ones. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they're not the only unsung heroes, but they are um, definitely worth a mention. Which I yeah. yeah, well, if you think about it, we were, we, there were still people on horseback, wasn't there, in World War One? Yeah, I'll mention like, a horse later, I think. Oh, really? The only, war only horse? Only in passing. No, no, I don't really know what the war horse is. Michael Morpuga. <laughs> it's not what he says, isn't it? <laughs> no, is it not Michael Morpuga? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely closer. Michael Morpuga. He also Paul wrote Pugo. Private Peaceful, and I love that book. He wrote a number of books. Why the Whales Came... I'm sure we had this conversation <laughs> a few weeks ago. Anyway. He's, he writes good books. So and he wrote out. The War Horse. Which is a play? I think it's just called War Horse. It's film as well. Tom oh, Hiddleston's real. in it. The Cumberbatch. And others. Benedict. Benedict, yeah. Great. Right, well, that's not related today. No, yeah. Back on topic. Pigeons. So. Uh, this is going to be our most downloaded episode ever. <laughs> no. World War One. It was yes. the first of the Great Wars during the Industrial Revolution. So you'd expect that at the time they'd have a lot of advancements. So uh, there was the introduction of um, aeroplanes, the use of tanks and railway guns on the battlefield. So it was a different time for soldiers because they not only had to deal with the war, they also had to deal with um, advancing technology. And things like that on the battlefront. So it's new, modern yes. aspect. This reminds me of a film which has been on... Oh, it's going to be on this evening. You'll be able to catch it on the BBC iPlayer. Maybe any other... Yeah, it's not on when the podcast comes out. It's on when it we're will recording. Be, yeah. Um, on TV. Yeah, on, on BBC Two if you're in England. Mm-hmm. Which is They Shall Not Grow Old. My dad's recording it. Is it? Yes. Very good. Um, and they talk about the... Uh, I think you talk about tanks and the fact that this well, it's you follow like a, not a group of soldiers, but you follow soldiers in general as they go from signing up, then through the trenches, and then home again. Cool. And you uh, you see them with tanks and stuff. Is what I was gonna say. Long long story short, short, it was tanks. <laughs> anyway, you were saying yeah. So what I was saying that soldiers, it's the change in nature of the war due to industrial revolution. Yeah. Um. So even the recent invention of the telephone made its way into the battlefield units, where it was used to convey orders or direct artillery fire. So, reading that, I was like, "Oh, well, that must be how they communicated." But this form of communication was not as extensive or reliable as it is today. And in a conflict of the size and duration of World War One, communication was key. So they had to get a reliable method. Um. 
so it wasn't as reliable as the commanders of Europe wanted. That's what I read, commanders of Europe. Oh, yeah, it was 100 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's fairly new. So at the time, I don't think they fully understood what telephones could do. In an attempt to improve combat communications, the leaders of the First World War turned to an older form of communication, the carrier pigeon. Um, so I have seen at multiple reports about these pigeons that they are unsung heroes. Okay, I believe you. Mm-hmm. So the carrier pigeons of both Allied and Central powers helped to assist commanders with accuracy and clarity, and this was unmatched by technology or any other form of communication. So pigeons were far more reliable than any man-made machinery to get messages from one military base to another. Uh, records say they delivered 95% of their messages correctly. I've never understood this. Do you talk about actually how, how it works? Because I don't understand of. how... You put a little note on a pigeon's leg, or an owl's leg, Harry Potter fans, and you just go whisper into its ear, Ron Weasley, and it flies off no, and no, finds no, it the person. Work. So, how does it I'll get onto it in a it minute, how, but it's where they place the nests, essentially. Alright. So, okay. I'll get onto it, but hmm. 100,000 carrier pigeons were used as messengers during the war, which is a lot. Uh, the use of pigeons has been utilised throughout history. So in the 6th century BC, Cyrus, king of Persia, used carrier pigeons to communicate with various parts of his empire. So that's how far back this method dates. Um, in ancient Rome, within many texts, there's references to pigeons being used to send messages by Julius Caesar. Mm. So even the big dog likes them. <laughs> the big dog, as yeah. he was known at the time. <laughs> During uh, the Franco-Prussian War, which was 1870 to 1871, yeah. uh, besieged Parisians used carrier pigeons to transmit messages outside the city. Um, in response, the Prussian army employed hawks to hunt the pigeons, mm. which is a bit of a shame. Reminds me of um, a game that we played. Oh, yes, on the VR. We uh, did a virtual reality game once. Of Catch the Flag. Capt- Capture, Capture the, the Flag. flag. Um but with, um, you, if you don't understand what VR is, it's just virtual you reality. You wear like a headset. And you, and you can, you're in this place. You're in a different place. Very good explanation. And uh, yeah, we played a, a team game. We were, were we hawks or were we eagles? I Might think have been eagles. we were eagles. You have to capture the rabbit. Yes. Pop it in your nest. So this is quite, so I do understand. Yes. I understand uh, the Franco-Prussian <laughs> war. Yeah, so the Prussian army employed hawks to hunt the pigeons and then in response the french military used balloons to transport homing pigeons past enemy lines so i'm not sure about this use of balloons no i did try and do a bit of research on it and it just took me to regular balloons the yeah wing. no it makes sense so i don't so did they put the pigeon in the balloon did they sure not. attach the balloons P- to the to pigeon, pigeon with helium in it to raise it up? That's what I thought. I have no idea how that would To be help. honest, I've only just thought Birds of that because mine was... It's in the, it's in the, it's balloon, in the balloon for some reason. How would that help? I don't know. Well, I guess that would help if you're trying to get it past, but then... But you'd lose a lot of pigeons. they just die in the balloon, surely. Yeah, I have. I was worried about them. Wouldn't it weigh the balloon down? But why do they need to attach balloons to them? Is it to get them up quick? Not a clue. They can fly get them quicker. them up high in the air. Maybe they don't go that high. Is this to avoid detection, did you say? To get into enemy lines, across enemy lines. But you'd notice a balloon, wouldn't you? You'd be like, there's 500 balloons coming this way. Yeah. This is only 30 years before, 30 odd years before the yeah. First World War. But anyway, we'd never know really unless we did more research. No, which um, we haven't. <laughs> 
Because we're not talking about the Franco-Prussian War. No, no. So hundreds of messages were um, captured within these transports and pigeons. So they carried the messages and some went as far as London. From? From Paris. From Paris. Yeah, more than one million different messages travelled this way during the four-month siege. So they're quite reliable. Heavily used. Yeah. Um. And they were discovered to be very useful, and that's why they were considered in military theory going up to World War One. So it was always, An when option. you theorising about war, you're like, how would we communicate people? The pigeons. Mm-hmm. So, within the First World War, the service, the pigeon services, battlefield messengers is the most common use, and they found home within every branch of service. So every department, like navy, well, like every branch, very clever. Uh, like Navy, Air RAF. Force, um, and Army. Yes. So carrier pigeons of the racing Homer breed were used to carry messages in World War One and World War Two, and 32 such pigeons from World War Two were presented with the Dickin Medal, which is the PDSA Dickin Medal, um, and it was instituted in 1943 in the UK by Maria Dickin to honour the work of animals in World War Two. Oh. So those in the Second World War could have got awarded a medal um pigeons ceased to be used as of 1957 Mm. but i think that's just because of modern technology is probably better yeah Yeah. so as i said they were they went into every branch of the forces so the airplanes of the embattled countries used pigeons to provide updates mid-air so airmen with messages would attach them to the pigeons and then throw the message carrying pigeon either up or down depending on the type of aircraft so that it avoid the propellers um, and it would be out of the airflow of the wings and the struts. Right. So they throw it either up or down out of the plane. Right, it seems dangerous. Yeah. Where so, does it land? I, immediately, if somebody's now, I thought it would land in a different airplane, but it won't be where it'll go to like, land. Yeah. So that would have been cool. The birds are launched mid-mission and they would fly back to the coop and update ground commanders on what the pilots had observed. So that's quite good for getting an aerial yeah. view, getting it back quick. Um, when they landed, wires in the coop would sound a bell or buzzer and a soldier of the signal corps would know that a message had arrived. So, through landing. Every yeah. time they landed, essentially, there was a little bell. we should go back to this. <laughs> I don't know if they like it. Um, oh, yeah. So, the signal corps would then go to the coop, remove the message from the canister, and send it to its destination by telegraph, field phone, or personal messenger. But that's... Because they don't DM. have a phone in them. The DM. They don't have a phone in an aeroplane, do they? So, they just they send the pigeon down, and then they can ring it in and say, this is what we've seen. Um, quick updates like this one were essential for leaders to know what the battlefield looked like and what the enemy was doing in its own trenches. Right, okay. It's a bit of intel. But really, the spies, these pigeons. I was going to say, did they use them as spies at any point? Well, not necessarily spies, but they they're using it to take the spy in information. Because I've got a story about pigeons. Go on. Which I'll, I'll find at the end and I'll share. Okay. About, not spies, but... They could be used for spies. Okay. But not the pigeon, surely. I'll just say it now. Yeah. I can't remember where it's from. Also, you can't ask a pigeon, what did you say? No, that's the thing. So, there was a guy in France who attached cameras to pigeons in the... I think it's the 20th century, early 20th century. Um, 
and there's all these photos that you took using pigeons of so it's pointing down aerial view essentially they're the first drones yeah pigeons are yeah and uh they was think they was thinking for a little while about whether they could use them as spies but i don't think it worked out so like you know take pictures yeah do you know why it didn't work out no i've got half story Hmm. carry on well we can always tweet a link (laughs) we can always tweet a link yeah it's good uh it's from Atlas Obscura. Yeah, I read a very about good that. website. So that was how they used in aeroplanes. In tanks, the tanks would carry the birds in order to relay the advance of individual units. So even after the introduction of radio, the pigeons were still the easiest way to help coordinate tanks um, without exposing the men to dangerous fire. So the soldiers would have to, without a radio or a pigeon, the soldiers would have to leave the tank and be exposed. So, um, and that would be in order to receive or relay orders, but the birds could fly back. So they were effective, um, on the front line. So basically if your tank's moving and you've advanced quite far and you say, we can see this, or this is the way you go, you'd send the bird back to the other tank and they'd pass on the message. Right. Um, yeah, so that's quite handy. Birds were also effective on the front line when they were brought forward with armies to help um, update commanders and planners who were in the rear, so they were quite far back. So there, the birds are in the trenches to send messages back. Uh, when the birds were away from their home lofts, they stayed in mobile units, <laughs> which were usually converted horse carriages or even double-decker buses. So um, the Imperial War Museum, I'll tweet a link to the website, but they've got loads of pictures of pigeons from the war so they've got a picture of a double decker bus and they're all like flying it, out the roof is it full of pigeons <laughs> yeah wow who's driving the bus no it's stationary <laughs> it's the home um pigeons always flew home when released so the troops made sure that the pigeons nests were in places they need to send messages right makes sense yeah at the battle of maim the pigeons advanced with the french troops as they attacked whenever troops needed to get a message back to their base they tied it to one of the pigeons and it would fly home and deliver the message so that's how they Use the pigeons. So the pigeons always fly home? Yeah. Alright, oh, okay. Uh, the mobile lofts that the pigeons... How do they know where they I are? I don't know. Clever, aren't they, pigeons? Yeah. They don't get a lot of credit. Yeah, because imagine if you got dropped off in the middle of, like, Germany, and they were like... I don't know where I was. Walk home, Lana. You'd be like, no, don't know where I'm going. To be fair, I've got a good sense of Right, but I don't think you'd direction. remember... You'd be able to I follow signs, but pigeons can't follow signs, can they? But also, they've got an aerial view. I know. But even so then, it's a little different. Imagine... Also, they don't stick to roads. They could be in a field. Their home could be in a field somewhere, like in the middle of know, loads of other fields. Exactly, that's even more. And it's not like three fields to the left and two fields up. No, they're they just flying. Fly. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Are you on my side here or not? Yeah, I yeah. Know. Right, okay. Didn't know if you came around to me. <laughs> yeah, but I was saying that I've I've got quite a good sense of direction, yeah. so I would be not fine. like a pigeon though. As a person, I am fine. Okay. So. The mobile lofts that the pigeons stayed in were useful when the armies outpaced their established lines of communication uh, or when the enemy disrupted communication lines. Um, So the communication lines were for telegraphs or telephones. So when they were disrupted, the mobile lofts would come in very handy. Yeah. Between 60 and 75 birds could be housed in a mobile loft at any one time, which is a lot. But I guess we said there's 200,000 used in the First World War. I thought you said 100,000. 100,000 used in the First World War. I'll just double check that number. 100,000. Yeah. Good job someone's paying attention. Good job I'm listening. Yes. Um, so, 
I've just got this account from somebody who was asked to set up a pigeon school. So British a pigeon school. Yes. School for pigeons. Like a, I think like a mobile home, like right. a mobile unit of pigeons. Okay. So British officer Arthur Hemsley was asked to set up a pigeon school in 1917, and he explained how the system worked. So, they came 40 miles an hour straight... This is him, by the way. Right. They came 40 miles an hour straight from the front, and of course, you see, you always send either two males or two females, you see. Never a male and a female, otherwise they merely stop and make a home together and breed. Mm. But they always came back because they'd all got, especially the females, a pair of good females was the very best thing to send because they'd got squabs behind they were feeding in the loft. And they'd come back at 40 miles an hour from the front line. They'd jump into the trap. The moment they stepped on the trap, it rang a bell. So they'd jump into their yeah. home. Uh, the pigeon man was there beside in the tent or wherever he was living. Rushed in, took the bird out, took off this message. And then he'd ring up a dispatch rider. Ring up and a dispatch rider would rush this to the intelligence. Then the intelligence would read this message. Some of it quite interesting, perhaps, they'd been able to pick up. Right. So that's his account, which is quite interesting that you can only send a girl and a girl. Or a boy and a boy. Yeah. So. Yeah. But speaking of what you said, I've just realised I've got a sentence in here which links. So some pigeons were even seen with cameras attached. Oh, there you go. Yes. And this is most likely used to take photos of enemy troop positions. Yeah. But I only read one sentence on that. It wasn't very extensive. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was used very long. Yeah. Pigeons aren't that reliable for taking pictures. No, I think they were a bit... It's also, difficult, di- di- <laughs> it's also difficult because they weren't like we're attaching like a little GoPro. No. You're attaching like a proper heavy a pro- camera. Like, and also, you have to be still to use one of them cameras, like yeah. any movement, and you've got a blurry picture. Yeah, and there's no like swapping out the oh, image and the stuff. Film. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and it just. Maybe they should do it now. I think go back to the pigeons now. And use GoPro. Yeah, I think they have. I think that's the thing. Hmm. Don't know where. So, uh, pigeons were also placed within gas. Oh, it's a drone. <laughs> Carry on. Pigeons were also placed within gas-proof chambers when there were gas attacks or anti-gas drills, which is cute. They're little gas masks. No, they just went in a chamber Makes altogether. Sense. A carrier pigeon's job was dangerous. Nearby enemy soldiers often tried to shoot down yeah, pigeons, knowing that release birds were carrying important messages. Allied powers were first to use the birds and the US were quick to follow after they observed how beneficial this form of communication was. Um, And the Germans also used pigeons. Pigeons became so valuable, the British government issued a poster saying killing, wounding or molesting homing pigeons is punishable under the Defence of the Realm regulations by six months imprisonment or a £100 fine. Mm. It's a lot. It's a big one, isn't it? Yes, so during the course of the war, many birds performed heroic deeds in the course of service and became heroes in their own right. And they're still known for their heroics today. So I've got a couple I'm going to tell you about. Have you got good names? Yeah. Okay. The first one is President Wilson. What? That's his name. Named after Woodrow Wilson. I don't know. He did, He was in the U. He helped the U.S. Right. Okay. So one bird was known as President Wilson. He was born in France, but President Wilson assisted both the American tank corps and the U.S. infantrymen within the war. His most famous moment came when assisting the U.S. 78th Infantry near Grand Pre during the Meuse Argonne Offensive. Engaging the enemy on the morning of October 5th, 1918, President Wilson's unit released him to request artillery support. 
However, his flight was not an easy one. Seeing President Wilson rise above the opposing lines, the German soldiers opened fire on him, peppering him with bullets. While he sustained numerous injuries, President Wilson was able to make his flight back to headquarters in record time, under 25 minutes. A true hero. It's like the Usain Bolt of today. I know. But being shot at at the same time. I know. But he did it. He did it. That was President Wilson. (laughs) I've only got two with names. The rest are unnamed, unfortunately. They come under miscellaneous. Oh, no. I didn't know what else to put. So the next one is Cher and Me. Named after Cher. No. (laughs) The pigeon was known as Cher and Me and also gained fame during World War One. Cher and Me translates as dear friend. Which is lovely. Cher and Me's moment of heroism came during the actions of the so-called Lost Battalion. During the Meuse-Argonne Offensive, the one I just mentioned, the German army surrounded elements of the US 77th Division besieging them for five days. At one point during the battle, the American artillery forces were attempting to shell the German forces and accidentally started firing on their own men. So, unable to get previous messages through, Cher Ami was the last pigeon available to the Americans and the only way that they could indicate to the uh, the artillery to stop firing. Because you're hitting us, not them. Uh, released as the last hope, Cherami flew through a hail of gunfire, sustaining shots through the breast and leg. Despite oh. these wounds, Cherami survived and was able to deliver the message, and the artillery stopped the friendly fire. Um, just another point, I read about Cherami a couple of times. So Cherami managed to get 12 very important messages through in one of the big battles of 1918 and saved the lives of nearly 200 soldiers during another battle whilst she lost a foot and an eye. For the bird service, the French government awarded Cher Ami the Croix de Guerre with Palm, which is a medal, I'm assuming. Yeah. And the bird also received a medal from the American government for bravery, cute, which is it? adorable. So do you like them too, yeah. President Wilson and Cher Ami? Yeah, yeah. I think Cher Ami's the most famous. Is it? All right. He or she? I don't know. I want to say she. He or she, Cher Ami. <laughs> um, now I've just got a list of other pigeons so uh, one of them's got a name pigeon number 498 Aww. was sent for help by skipper Thomas Crisp when he was attacked by a German U-boat in August 1917 Crisp was killed but despite being wounded in one wing by shrapnel the bird delivered the message in time for help to be sent to the crew so they managed to save a lot of lives um, a pigeon which saved four airmen's lives. Uh, so basically, four airmen were struggling. Um, the planes had come down by a gale. They were struggling in the sea, so they sent this pigeon for help. Um, the bird managed to deliver the message, but died from exhaustion on arrival, oh. which is really sad. But the men were saved. Right. The four men who'd ended up in the sea. Yeah. Um, an RAF. Pigeon was claimed to have flown 82 miles in 22 minutes to deliver a message that helped with the rescue of two wrecked seaplane pilots. 82 miles? How fast can a pigeon fly? Pretty fast, according to this. 22 minutes? Yeah. No. That does seem a bit fast, that doesn't it? seems a little bit fast. Okay, let me just check. It must be in here somewhere. Yeah, it does say, and it's got a picture. The oh, Imperial well, War Museum oh, has got a picture of 
The RAF pigeon. Who's claimed to have flown 82 miles? You must be able to fly fast then. Yeah. If you're doing 82 miles in 80 minutes. Oh, oh but I guess it's not accurate. Like, if your plane That's... goes down, you don't know what time it is specifically. Like, you don't know when you send your pigeon. I don't know. <sighs> it's just very quick. I'm and really I will tweet a link to this website because it's pretty good. Um, and another just story about pigeons. A group of pigeons were helpful to the Royal Navy Air Service despite not wanting to leave a plane that had landed in the water. F. Silwood of the Royal Navy Air Service sent carrier pigeons when his seaplane's engine cut out and he said, We were lucky to get on the sea to start with. We made a sort of pancake landing against a big wave and we got down. We released our pigeons. The trouble was it was blowing so hard that the pigeons wouldn't leave the aeroplane. So we threw everything we had almost at them. I threw my last half crown at them. Money? Is I'm not money? sure. Uh, they eventually got back to the loft and a half crown Billing. was never better spent because 16 hours afterwards we were picked up. We were in a pretty sorry state by then, I can assure you. Was this filling? No. <laughs> you have a crown, don't you? Yeah, I know, but I don't think yeah, it was a filling. He said there's never been money Pulled better spent. Filling. But anyway, how sad that they didn't want to leave because it was too windy and they yeah. just... <laughs> in the end, they but saved a lot of lives. Um, and then another pigeon was called the Mocker, and he flew 52 missions before he was wounded. Wounded in action? Yeah. That's a lot of missions. Yeah. So, I just... That was my report on, on pigeons. pigeons. Thank you. I didn't know anything about pigeons. Before it was one. quite nice, really. They, they were really heroes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I knew that they were used, but I didn't know any. Never heard of President Wilson. Never heard of Jeremy. Never heard of the mocha. No. Named after obviously the uh, the coffee Stop. drink. <laughs> no, it's what? not even spelled that way. It's M O C K E R. Yeah. So yeah. I've just got a bit of information on other animals in the war. Do you want me to? Just yeah, tell yeah, it yeah. So can I guess what other animals there were? Well, I've not not got them all. I just oh. did a bit of an overview. Horses. Yeah, so millions of horses were used by combatant nations. They transported men, supplies and equipment, and pulled vehicles and guns. Um, Casualty rates were high among the horses, and therefore they were highly prized. Mm. Uh, Many of the men who dealt with the horses also became very attached to them, and some would even put the horse's life before their own. Like war horse? Probably. Probably. Yeah, so that's horses. They were very busy as well in the war. Yeah. But less fast, less agile. Yeah. If you shoot a Bigger horse, target. you're likely to get it. Woo! <laughs> stomach again. <laughs> um, so, as well as pigeons, dogs were also trained to carry messages. Dogs? Yeah, dogs helped to get that. messages from the front line to from one base to another. They were faster than humans, less of a target for the enemy, and could run through difficult one conditions. One like a greyhound. Very fast. Yeah. Yeah, or a little one. A chihuahua. No, not a chihuahua. <laughs> so, I've just got an, an account from Arthur Hemsley again. So, after he set up the pigeon school, oh, he pigeon was asked school. to do the same Teach for dogs. dogs. So, he said, his account is... Imagine a school of dogs. <laughs> it's like, trying to All teach them. Imagine them with, them, like, with their individual desks and he stood there with his chalkboard. Yeah. Uh, my mum and dad always imagine that because... My cousin's dog is you called Milo. No, that. no, we were literally talking about it yesterday. So my cousin's dog's called Milo, and we also knew a human called Milo. 
So when we were talking about Milo, like the human, we were saying, oh, he's at uni or, oh, he's uh, studying. Yeah. And my mum and dad were in stitches laughing, thinking of my cousin's dog sat in a lecture <sighs> taking <either>. notes <laughs> and all sorts. It was very funny. So, but back to Arthur Don't Hemsley. <laughs> no, that's funny, that. Um, that's exactly the same thing as what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, but mine was funny. <gasps> no, it wasn't. Right, anyway. You're not Arthur the, Helms you're Lee. not the comedian of the podcast. That's me. Okay. So after setting up a pigeon it's school, <laughs> I'm regretting it immediately. <laughs> Arthur Hemsley was asked to do the same for dogs, so he said, "The next thing was the old colonel turned to me and said, Hemsley, it's dogs this time.' I said, "Dogs?" He said, "Yes. <laughs> Headquarters are going to send forty-eight dogs with the men that go with three dogs to a man, and you've got to deal with them." So I went to a little village, Vignacourt, found some ground there, had it wired in, put my dogmen in there with their dogs. Whereupon, the men of Vignacourt came and complained bitterly because they barked all night and kept the village awake. So I had to uplift them from there and put them well away in the woods where they were no trouble to anybody. They were a happy crowd there. They fed the dogs on fresh-cut horse meat generally from horses killed in battle. And the dogs were quite useful too. They were taken up the line, of course, and a message put on them. And then you'd off you'd go home and they'd come back to their handler who was waiting for them at the headquarters for them to come back. Which is... So they're delivering messages as well. I never knew about dogs in, uh, in World War I. Um, no, but when I was doing research, it seems like... So my next point is that some soldiers also had dogs to provide companionships and animals were used as pets or mascots. So there was one group of Irish troops who had a pet cat called Dublin, but she didn't cope very well. It was a oh, kitten. I'm surprised. Um, some had dogs. There was also an account of um, this man who had a pet rat. There was like these two rats who would have been in the trenches and yeah. they used to feed them and be nice to them and they got on quite well. Yeah, and they think that the uh, the soldiers who were in that trench before had also had this rat as a pet because they were very well There's behaved. There's a lot of rats in there from, what I, from yeah. what I know. So so it seems like any sort of animal will either be used as a pet or a mascot if it's there. And I think you'd get attached to the dogs as well. Or lice. Oh, not lice. So, <laughs> pet lice. Um, no. Ships commonly had cats as mascots. A fox cub became a mascot of number 32 squadron at oh, Humier's fox. aerodrome. It was a fox cub. It was a tiny fox. Okay. There's a picture of it sat in the aeroplane. Oh. I will that's tweet a, these I don't pictures. think some of these... And, like, a cat, I don't think it would bode well on a boat. Well, I don't Togo, think a fox would bode well on a plane. But I think they were just at the, yeah, at the yeah, headquarters. Was, the like, cat is on the boat. There's right. no way it's not. But Togo the cat was the mascot of the HMS Dreadnought. Oh, okay. Togo, that's what it's called. But I think the fox wouldn't be flying, No. to be honest. I think not. it would just be at the base. In an emergency, chuck him in. See, <laughs> see what he can do. <laughs> um, there was a monkey mascot of the 3rd Army Trench Mortar School. And there was a picture of him captured on a German trench mortar. A little monkey. No, a picture. Taken a picture of him. He wasn't captured. Oh, right. A picture was captured. A picture was taken. Sorry. They were like, capture (laughs) the monkey at all costs. No. But my last point is that the most unusual mascot was a pig. Oh, that's good. This is for you, Matt. Matt's favourite animals are pigs. So, (laughs) a British ship's mascot was a pig. um, And this was the German... From the German cruiser SMS Dresden. And Edward Pullen explained how this 
came about as his ship HMS Glasgow closed in on the Dresden in March 1915. So he said all at once the signalman shouted out, there she is, sir. She was so camouflaged that we hadn't noticed her, see. <laughs> of course we went in to see her. And he must have put something in each magazine because she exploded in four parts, see. <gasps> then down she went. Oh, no, this is the boat. Well, then a pig, a pig was aboard her and it swam to our ship. Oh. And we, it was only a small pig. They'd captured it from somewhere, see. After we had this pig aboard, it grew up to be a good, big-sized one. Ended up in the gunnery school, uh, that's the Whale Island Gunnery School in Portsmouth, and was sold for £2,000 for the Red Cross. You know. That's you know, sorry, end. yeah. You're reading it all, you've been reading all these word for word. Well, I've, I'm... It's quite difficult, isn't it? It is really tough, and also something. one before stopped mid-sentence, yeah, so... Yeah, I know, I noticed that. Um, but so... yeah, a pig. So it was a German mascot, German boat yeah. mascot. They blew up the German boat, the pig swam to their boat, they had a little mascot for a while and then they donated it to the and it Red was sold Cross. for the Red Cross. To eat, probably. Probably yeah. eating, I'm sorry, Matt. Okay. £2,000 is expensive for I a know. pig. Maybe it was used for something else then. Maybe. Oh, good So boy. yeah, that was my girl. report. Thank you. On pigeons and animals. And animals in World War One. A little bit of World War Two. Yeah, just a tiny bit. Very good. Something I had no idea about. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes, thank you. So, you, we have a, a big back catalogue you can listen to. Find them on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on. Um, and if you can leave a review, that'd be lovely. Subscribe to us. Tell a friend. Uh, get in contact with us if you wish. We're going to tweet out some uh, pictures from... Some links. From some links, yeah. About uh, about these pigeons and about other animals in World War One On our Twitter, which is at idiot history pod you can send us an email at idiot history pod at gmail.com and you can find us on facebook and instagram where we'll uh, also post some stuff which is a uh, idiots talk history on both of those so you'll find already there we uh we've put up some um a video of a world record attempt Pumpkin yes. carving from, was that last week? The week before? Week before. Last week was, was Monopoly. Last week? Oh yeah, and Monopoly. We should have some pictures up by now of uh, some stuff from Monopoly, maybe? No? Isn't that a woman from Monopoly? We're going to post a picture of her, I think. I don't know. Well, you might, there might be something up. I'm not sure. Lana's looking with like, the blankest face. We uh, clearly didn't organise that very well. Um... But we will be back next week with another podcast report. We'll speak to you then. We'll speak to you then. Good. Don't miss us too much. If you do, just listen, listen to back. Us. Yeah, listen back. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.